Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes, your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective on the Mojo 5.0 radio network. You can listen online anytime at Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, or Spotify. And follow us on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. Send me an email at rightnowjimdawes at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 772-245-0750. That number again is 772-245-0750. Leave a voicemail there, and if it's good, we'll use it on a future broadcast. So incitement, incitement, that is what the left is claiming now. The Democrats are claiming that any criticism of their far left, really radical proposals or of their statements, which are becoming becoming increasingly unhinged, is incitement. And this is rich coming from the Democrat Party that spent the last three years calling President Trump and his supporters and the Republicans in general Nazis and skinheads and crypto-fascists. You know, uh, all of this has been followed by a justification that, yes, it is indeed okay to punch a Nazi, and we get to decide who a Nazi is. And if you support Trump, you're a Nazi. And I'm not just making that up or exaggerating. These are actual statements that have come out of the left Democrat elected officials and their supporters in the media. And not surprisingly, this has given rise to a a group, an organization called Antifa, that's taking them up on this and going into the streets, disrupting Tea Party rallies and Trump, uh, Trump campaign rallies and actually attacking people. And now to see them squeal like stuck pigs in response to legitimate criticism by the, of the statements of um, Somali-American Democrat Representative Ilhan Omar about her statements belittling the, um, the atrocities of 9-11 is bewildering. It's bewildering. We can say whatever we want about you. We can incite as much violence about you. We can attack you in the streets. And if you do anything to push back or call out our uh, radical lunacy, then you are inciting violence. The hypocrisy is just overwhelming, almost beyond uh, words to describe. And, uh, you know, I was listening to Mark Levin the other night. Mark Levin is very sensitive about people stealing his ideas. Well, i got to admit, I'm going to steal one of his ideas. It, it really had... Uh, had not occurred to me that it, it is just unbelievable 
that, you know, they spend two and a half years calling Trump Hitler. Well, let me let me do this. Let me just play you a clip from Mark Levin so he he can't claim that I'm uh, ripping him off. Uh, I'm actually, you know, giving him attribution here by playing you his own words. The Democrats have been inciting violence against President Trump since before he became president of the United States. The things they have said about him. I posted this on my social sites over the weekend. They've called him Hitler. They've called him Stalin. They've called him Mussolini. They've called him a white nationalist. A Klansman. A white supremacist. They've called him a neo-Nazi. They've called him an anti-Semite. A racist. Every imaginable horrific word of evil that they can muster. And they've done this relentlessly. Now, the Secret Service is not allowed to tell us, but I wonder how many death threats our president has received as a result of this kind of language from Democrats, never Trumpers, and the media. I just wonder, don't you? Well, it's not just death threats. As a matter of fact, during the uh, campaign, you had attempted assassinations there in Los Angeles and on that... uh, um. Oh, I can't remember. I think it was an airplane hangar in Florida somewhere where people rushed the lines, jumped up on stage, and had to be restrained by the uh, Secret Service in the Las Vegas incident. The um, the leftist lunatic actually grabbed a policeman's weapon and attempted to uh, kill the president. But it's not just the president. You know, it used to be a time where the president's families were, were off limits. But the, this media have gone after Trump's daughter and his sons, and his wife in the most vicious and cruel way imaginable. Calling them as well uh, fascists and Nazis and white supremacists. Nothing whatsoever to support any of these claims, except this is what the left uses um, as weapons. Their favorite claim is you're a racist, and if you're a racist doesn't work, well, they'll, they'll up that one. They'll say, oh, you're a Nazi. You are advocating um, holo- uh, the uh, genocide, and of course, you know if if uh, if you accuse somebody of being a Nazi, then yes, of course, violence is justified in uh, in defeating you. And Trump just merely pointed out; he sent out, he retweeted a, a, a video using. Omar's words, some people did something, juxtaposed with the actual attacks of 9-11 to show how dismissive and disrespectful her words were. were, They were outrageous. And if you're not allowed to call them out and and say, you know, call them what they are, then that's a heck of a deal for the Democrats. We get to say anything we want. And any criticism of us, even using our own words, is incitement. I'm going to finish this clip with Mark Levin. Now, we have Ilhan Omar, and we have report after report after report, and her saying that as a result of a tweet from President Trump, she has received death threats. So in other words, a person, a nutjob, who's threatening her says because Donald Trump did X, I'm doing Y, or I'm going to do Y. It's certainly conceivable. But let me tell you something. Ilian Omar has sought to draw attention to herself, not as a statesman, 
not as a traditional liberal, not as a faithful Muslim, but as a Jew-hating, anti-Semitic, anti-American radical. The very idea that these Democrats could accuse Trump of incitement after they've engaged in two years of the most over-the-top, not only you know indirect incitement, but actual calls for violence, the so-called comedians on the evening talk shows uh, or the evening, I don't even, they're not comedy shows anymore, have been the, the most guilty of this. They pretend like they're joking, but, uh, you know, they, they are sending out a message. You should attack your opponents. Hollywood has, has been absolutely over the top with it, you know, producing films of assassination porn against the president calling for his assault and the comedians so-called have, have really lost their mind with, you know, Kathy Griffith among others holding up severed heads of, uh, Donald Trump and Michelle, uh, Wolf, who was invited to the, uh, white house correspondence dinner claiming the president is a, a genocidal racist, Now, we've kind of gotten used to this from the left. You'll recall they, um, Hollywood actually produced a full-length feature film during uh, George W. Bush's administration about the assassination of George W. Bush, a sitting president. They've been carrying on with this for a long time. And it's as if the attempted mass assassination of the Republican congressional uh, baseball team never happened. You would think that James T. Hodgkinson never showed up. Staked out uh, the Republican national uh, um, baseball team there in in Alexandria, Virginia, and showed up with a semi-automatic weapon with uh, lots of ammunition with intent to kill them all, the only reason he was stopped is because it just so happened that Steve Scalise, the House Majority Whip at the time, had a security detail. Nobody else did. If those two uh, those two um, Washington Capitol Police hadn't been on the scene, there's no telling how many of he would have killed. But you would think that never even happened. You would think that he didn't almost kill the Republican House whip and shoot, I think, five others. That's not incitement. We forgot all about that. But the president, just calling out Omar's own words and juxtaposing them with the reality of those words, well, that, that has got to be, that's got to be stopped. Every one of the Democrat presidential cam, uh, uh, candidates went out on the trail and accused the president of incitement. But here's Omar's own words. I'll play them again. I'm not afraid to play them. And they always say that, oh, you're, not, you're taking Omar's words out of context. So I'm going to give you a, a full minute and 10 seconds all around Omar's words so you can get some context. It's not doesn't um, make the words better or put them in context. It actually makes them worse. So to me, I say raise hell, make people uncomfortable. Because here's the truth. 
Here's the truth. Far too long, we have lived with the discomfort of being a second-class citizen. And frankly, I'm tired of it. And every single Muslim in this country should be tired of it. What is she talking about? You know, she claims that they're losing their civil liberties and they're second-class citizens. What civil liberties are Muslims denied? What second-class citizenship is she talking about? Huge numbers of Muslims have been allowed to immigrate into this country, and, and uh, there's so many of them, in fact, that Somali Americans have their own representative in the House of uh, in, in Congress. What's second-class citizenship? There is no second-class citizenship, but you'll see when uh, when she gets to it, she says that she justifies their second-class citizens because people look at them funny. Lived with the discomfort of being a second-class citizen. And frankly, I'm tired of it, and every single Muslim in this country should be tired of it. CARE was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. Some people did something on 9-11 and all of us were losing access to our civil liberties. Nothing could be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, the way the left has set this up is anytime there's a... um, a radical Islamic terror attack in the United States or Europe, the authorities immediately form a um, a cordon around the Muslim community to protect them. There's there's been very very little evidence that they needed protecting, but that is uh, that's the the jujitsu that they've got going. Radical Islam attacks. The West, the West responds by defending radical Islam. So uh, here's here's some more of this clip. Care was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. So let's talk and stop just a little bit about who CARE is. The Council of Islamic American Relations. <clears throat> they are a terrorist funding organization. They have been named as an unindicted co-conspirator with raising money for Hamas and Hezbollah. They have uh, they they were founded as a way to mainstream radical Islamic ideas in the West. And they are joined at the hip with the Muslim Brotherhood. So we've got Ilhan Omar, the elected representative of the Somali community in Minnesota. By the way, a community that a congressional district that is the number one terror recruiting capital of the United States. And again, she's, she's uh, going right to this incitement. If, if, you res- if we do something, an atrocity against you, 
and you respond, or even if you don't respond, that is incitement against us. Political jujitsu, that's what that is. So you can't just say that today someone is looking at me strange, that I am going to try to make myself look pleasant. You have to say this person is looking at me strange. I am not comfortable with it. I am going to go talk to them and ask them why. Because that is a right you have. So she starts off by saying you need to raise hell and get in their face. And then she says, if they look at you funny, you need to go confront them. And of course, she's the one that gets to decide what looking at them funny means. But as I said, FBI statistics show quite clearly that Minnesota's 5th Congressional District that elected Ilhan Omar, it is is in urban areas of uh, Minneapolis, reported the highest rate of of terror recruitment in the nation. More men and boys from Somali-American community in Minneapolis have joined ISIS and Al-Qaeda and other Islamic terrorist organizations than any other. She has also, Ilhan Omar has, defended members of her community that were... um, empowering or attempting to join these terrorist groups. She wrote to one judge asking for compassion for a, uh, uh, one of her constituents that had, had attempted to join ISIS. She wrote, such punitive measures not only lack efficiency, they inevitably create an environment in which extremism can flourish. Aligning the presumption of terrorist recruitment, the best deterrent, to fanaticism is a system of compassion. We must alter our attitude and approach. If we truly want to affect change, we could, should focus our efforts on inclusion and rehabilitation. Don't you dare judge someone just because they wanted to join ISIS or Al-Qaeda, which attacked us and killed 3,000 Americans on September 11th, 2001, when some people did something. Yelian Omar um, was talking about the 2013 bombing of the Kenyan Mall there in Somalia. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was a, a Kenyan mall, but it was bombed by a Somali-based terror organization, Al-Shabaab. She placed the blame of the, uh, on the attack on guess who? You got it. The United States saying that it's past foreign policy in the region was responsible for the attack. She says, for us, it's always, I must have not done anything. Why is it happening to me? Nobody wants to take accountability for how these byproducts of our actions and involvement in other people's affairs. So, again, They, uh, radical Islamists, take some action. Their spokespeople now embedded in Congress with Omar and Tlaib flip the script. You had it coming because you were mean to us and you looked at us funny. 
and you got AOC and all of the Democrat candidates out there. I, I could put together a long, long montage, but I'm I'm not going to burden you with it now of, of uh, Beto O'Rourke and Christian Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, oh, crazy Bernie Sanders, all out there saying that Donald Trump's criticism of AOC's comments is, are incitement. They didn't say anything when, when uh, all of these people were calling Trump Hitler and a Nazi. Here's Beto O'Rourke out there talking about incitement. This, this is in uh, the context of something else. This was back when Beto was claiming that um, Trump was guilty of incitement for calling the American press the enemy of the people. Well, I think it's been quite clearly illustrated through the Mueller report after two and a half years of the American media claiming that the Oval Office was occupied by a stooge of a foreign government without any justification for that claim that they are truly the enemy of the American people. But you can't say that. That's incitement. This this idea um, fronted by the president that somehow the press are the enemy of the people, reinforced by him tweeting out images of uh, a reporter being hit by a train, body slammed in in a wrestling ring, is incitement to violence. I don't know any other way to call it. Um, That undermines an essential pillar of the American democracy. 242 years in... That undermines an essential pillar of American democracy. Well, you're absolutely right. The fourth estate is a central pillar of American democracy. And that's why Trump has pointed out the fake news and that they're acting in um, coordinated opposition to the interests of the nation is legitimate. They are actually the enemy of the American people. Have you seen any... uh, uh, Trump supporters responding to incitement by assaulting reporters? No, you haven't. What you have seen is an organized uh, group of thugs and Antifa attacking Trump supporters in the street. You've seen Hillary or um, uh, Bernie supporters showing up trying to commit mass murder. You've seen assault after assault of anybody wearing a MAGA hat. And the reason you have is because they've gone on and convinced people that Trump is Hitler. But I do think that he has very deliberately set up the press as the enemy of the people. This is something that we first heard from Joseph Stalin. This is very dangerous. It undercuts democracy. That is just the emboldening of white bigotry by a white nationalist, white supremacist presidency uh, and his cronies like, you know, Jeff Sessions and, and, and Stephen Miller and all the other white nationalists that he's empowered. Well, if anybody is issuing demented words of violence and death, I would say it's the president of the United States. I mean, it's, it's quite a past we've come to when the leadership of a country like Iran seems more stable and rational than the president of the United States. And it is astonishing how he has become such an effective and uh, destructive virus created by Vladimir Putin. The world witnessed a betrayal the likes of which we've never seen. America's president sided with its enemy today. Donald Trump talks like a racist, thinks like a racist, makes statements like a racist, uh, conjures uh, emotions that uh, give sucker and support to white supremacists and white nationalists. He has emboldened white supremacists to come forward. He's inciting through mass rallies and constant lying 
fervor and a political base. He scapegoats minority populations and affixes blame to them for every problem the country faces. He alleges conspiracies of nefarious forces that is fundamentally illiberal, deeply un-American, and frankly could be straight out of Munich circa 1928. See, I could go on for hours and hours playing this stuff where these talking heads on, uh, on the cable TV shows try to outdo each other by vilifying and smearing Trump as Hitler and Mussolini and a fascist and a Nazi and a white supremacist and a Klan's member. But that's not incitement. But don't you dare push back and call any of our members out because if you do, you're inciting violence. It's absolutely absurd. People got to reject it. What they're trying to do is silence their critics. If you if you dare criticize me, you are inciting violence. You Nazi, skinhead, white nationalist. Unbelievable. We got to run out to a break. We'll be back and we're going to talk about old Bernie Sanders appearing on this Fox News town hall right after these messages. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes, a daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. So we've been talking about incitement and how the left uses that word to inoculate themselves from any criticism while at the same time using the most vile, vicious, dishonest language to try to characterize their opponents, most especially this president and his supporters. And we're going to deal with that more in the, in the, later on in the second half of the broadcast. You can follow us at Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. And I want to talk to you about, um, about how you can use something that you pay for already in order to support free speech. You know, restricting free speech as it's currently being practiced in the United States and Europe is, is basically banning the truth. The far left has spent a lot of its energy uh, silencing conservatives in the mainstream media, on social media, attacking conservative websites, 
and they've been quite successful at it. They have reduced the amount of traffic that alternative um, views on the internet and uh, in the mainstream media have uh, have been able to get their message out. They've shadow banned uh, conservative users on Twitter and Facebook. They've blocked ads on YouTube, demonetized people who's who's uh, opinions they disagree with they've restricted searches on google so that you can't even if you go out looking for conservative views you can't even find them apple has removed conservative apps from their store we had uh gregory wrightstone who is is uh pushing back on the climate change hoax they took him off of the apple store he had an app that responded to all of the climate alarmists arguments that you could just look them up and find the uh, the the truth now whether you agree with whether you're conservative or a liberal what's going on is a direct attack on our first amendment and it's time for americans and especially conservative americans to wake up and push back and one of the ways you can do that is by exercising your freedom of choice America's only conservative cell phone company, a veteran-led organization called Patriot Mobile, every phone call that you make, every bill that you pay monthly will be used to fight for your freedom. You can get the same reliable nationwide coverage you already have and have the the assurance that your hard-earned money is being used to support conservative organizations like the Heritage Foundation the National Rifle Association, and the Alliance Defending Freedom. Plans start at as low as $25 a month. And if you sign up now online at patriotmobile.com slash mojo50, your activation fee will be waived. That's a good deal. Call 1-800-APATRIOT and use the code mojo 50 or visit patriotmobile.com slash mojo50 to get this deal. Don't be silent. Join me and thousands of other Americans and split uh, switch to Patriot Mobile and let freedom ring. So Bernie Sanders, he appeared on uh, Fox, uh, had a, a town hall on Fox. You know, the Democrat National Committee has made the determination that none of their Primary debates are going to be hosted by Fox, but Bernie Sanders had the good sense to take it, uh, take the opportunity to go on Fox News and make his case. Of course, he didn't uh, he didn't debate Tucker Carlson or Laura Ingram. <laughs> he would have got his claw clean, and he knew, knows it. He uh, he he came on with Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. Martha can be pretty uh, pretty pretty uh, strong herself, but. Brett Baer is um, just, uh, I don't want to compare him to Shepard Smith because Shepard Smith is actually a full-blown leftist. But uh, uh, Brett Baer takes great pains to avoid any criticism from the leftists, and the only way you can do that is to, not to dare other any any word that can um, you know, be considered in any way supporting Trump or uh, conservative policies. But Bertie, to his credit, he went on uh, with Martha and Brett Baer 
And, um, you know, he's recently released his tax returns, and it turns out that old socialist Bernie, old red Bernie, we call him socialist. He claims he's a democratic socialist. He's a a democratic socialist in the same way that the former communists in the uh, USSR, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic, were socialists. They were not. They're communists. And you can find videos of Bernie Sanders honeymooning in the former USSR, shirtless, drunk, at a table with a bunch of communists uh, celebrating. He was a big advocate for what was going on down in Venezuela until that stopped, and now he shut up entirely about it. And he spent the last uh, two years vilifying millionaires and billionaires. The millionaires and the billionaires need to pay more. Now that he's released his tax returns and it comes out that he's a millionaire himself. He's changed his language to the billionaires need to pay more. He's dropped the millionaires entirely out of his, uh, his rhetoric. But this was a pretty good town hall. Um, I I was kind of surprised that uh, Fox news allowed them to basically stack the audience with, uh, with Bernie supporters There were nobody uh, there in the audience to push back against Bernie's ridiculous proposals or his hypocrisy. But it comes out that uh, not only is Bernie advocating socialism for you, he doesn't want to be subject to the same tax policies that he is is advocating for the rest of us. Here's Bernie uh, responding to Brett Baer's suggestion that maybe he, uh, he he just want to go ahead and pay the taxes that he's advocating. Your taxes do show that you're a millionaire. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. <laughs> Come on. But there he- Notice how he scoffs at the idea. Well, why would I pay more taxes than I have to? I'm just av- there advocating for everybody else to pay more taxes. That that doesn't mean I should. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. <laughs> Come on. But there he... I am... I paid the taxes that I owe. And by the way, why don't you got Donald Trump up here and ask him how much he pays in taxes? Yeah, well. well, actually, we know that because somebody stole one of uh, Trump's 1040s. I think it was from 2015. And it turned out he paid 36% on a adjusted gross income of a little bit more than $110 million. He paid $36 million. A far higher tax rate than old Bernie Sanders, who's advocating that everybody else pay over 50% paid. And there's nothing whatsoever to stop you if you have the courage of your convictions for paying more than you owe. You can just check a box and send in, um, you know, as much as you want. But that uh, that doesn't apply. It's socialism for thee, but not for me. And this is the same way that the Soviet Union ended up, of course. They imposed these uh, these austere measures on everybody else. Everybody else had to pay 
through the taxes, uh, through the nose for their taxes. And the leaders uh, lived like veritable kings and queens with their palaces and their dakas and, and all the rest. Because why would you live an austere lifestyle if you didn't have to? And again, it's, um, it's, you know, socialism and equality, equally poor for everybody else. And for the leaders, it's something else. And there's no reason to believe that old Bernie Sanders wouldn't adopt the very same thing in light of the fact that, uh, you know, once he became a millionaire, he paid as little taxes as he could. And oh, by the way, was pretty stingy in, uh, in his charitable giving as well. I guess the president watches your network a little bit, right? <laughs> hey, President Trump, my wife and I just released 10 years. Please do the same. Let the American people know how much All right. But just, just to wrap that up. Well, just to wrap that up, let's, uh, let's point out that he didn't he, – he released his 1040s. You can't tell much about the sources of your income or your deductions on the 1040s, whether the deductions were reasonable or your – Income came from, oh, for instance, um, George Soros or other nonprofits purchasing huge um, bulk orders of your book. So, he, you know, he he released his tax returns, but he didn't release what we really need to know about uh, whether or not that income was legitimate or his deductions were legitimate. But back to Bernie. You do spend a lot of time vilifying millionaires. No, I don't vilify. The fact that I think people who are doing phenomenally well right now, as you know, for 40 years, we have seen a shrinking middle class. You've got 40 million people living in poverty. And today, just so happens that the very wealthy are doing incredibly wealthy. It's not the very wealthy are doing very well. That is by definition. And I would say that, uh, you know, the current... Uh, crony capitalism that we've got going on in this country is very unhealthy and it gives rise frankly to these radicals like bernie sanders and elizabeth warren uh claiming uh that socialism is the cure socialism is not the cure what is the cure is uh is policies that promote the middle class that promote people being able to support a family on one income and have you know uh, of families and actually live a, um, a healthy, wholesome life. And I, I got to admit, capitalism as it's pr- currently being practiced is uh, has too many excesses. But the subs- the prescription to solve that is certainly not socialism, where you'll destroy the goose that laid the golden egg entirely and make everybody equal. Yes, equally poor. Here's the here's the part of the clip where Brett Bear brings up the uh, the issue of his charitable giving. Vilifying to say that people have a whole lot of money, in some cases billions of dollars of wealth, they should pay their fair share of taxes. Right. Well, Brett, a lot that's of, not vilifying. Yeah. Last question on this: a lot of millionaires and billionaires give a ton to charity. You gave three point four percent. My wife and I do give money to charity. All right, and we're proud to do what we did. There are others, you're quite right. There are people, Gates Foundation, do a phenomenal job. We do what we do. All right, I got a couple. 
3.2%. So if he, if he claimed a million dollars in income after deductions last year and he gave, ended up giving 3%, what's that, $3,000? Really? Your average run-of-the-mill middle-class person gives far more than that. Shouldn't he be required to do more for charity? Oh, that's right. Bernie doesn't believe in charity per se. He believes in, in giving money to the government and letting the government decide who's, um, who's worthy and who's not. Actually, he believes in other people doing that, not actually himself. So here's where Martha comes in, and watch how quickly Bernie tries to flip the script and attack, Mar- attack Martha for, for her, um, you know, making a good living. I'm asking you about the wealthy and how much higher you would make it. You said yeah, you, you I, I don't agree with 70%. What would your number be? In the campaign in 2016, we talked about 52%. All right, so 52%. 52%. That's just federal. Now you got to add the state taxes on that, property taxes and, uh, and sales taxes. So you're going to end up paying somewhere around, before it's all over with, about 70%. So you're, out, you're supposed to go out there and work hard, make the economy productive, keep the nation prosperous, and at the same time you only get to keep 30% of what you owe? That is a recipe for a dysfunctional society. And if you want to see what that leads to, you can look to France today or Great Britain. Businesses there um, are not aggressive in reinvesting and hiring people. One, because it's almost impossible to fire them if, if they don't perform. And two, because you just don't get to keep much of your money. And the harder you work, the less of that money you get to keep. It's a disincentive to productivity. And that's really the fatal flaw in all of these socialist schemes is because they'll destroy the motivation for work. And the way they've got it scheduled, uh, 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 proposed now, they want to give everybody a minimum guaranteed income. They're talking about $1,000 a month. That would quickly increase as people determine that they can vote for an income. Then they want to give you free tuition, free health care, guaranteed housing. Well, what would be the incentive for any, anybody to get up in the morning and, and engage in productive activity? It would be entirely gone. There would be people that would be perfectly happy, you know, eating off their food stamps, getting their guaranteed income, going to the doctor without having to worry about paying for it, and watching TV all day. The whole, the whole society would collapse and we would quickly end up where all of these other socialist schemes have led throughout history, like Cuba or Venezuela or the former Soviet Union. Now, China is not doing it that way. They have state-run capitalism that they still call communism. They've got communism on a social level to keep people under control, which is exactly what the cultural Marxists in the United States are advocating. And then these state-owned industries engage in capitalism and predatory trade practices so that the members of the party can be fabulously wealthy. But it's not communism in the economic sense of the word any longer. 
It is communism in the social sense of the word and capitalism to actually engage in, um, in, in making huge amounts of money for a very small privileged few. Back to this clip. So would you be willing to pay 52% on the money that you made? Also, you can volunteer. You can send a oh, check. Oh, you can volunteer, too. We have a... But you suggested, have, uh, suggested that uh, that's hey, what everybody in your bracket should do. And Martha, why don't you give? You make more money than I well, Why I don't you I give? See that? How immediately it turns out. Don't say I should give. You should give. Not me. You make more money than me. You should give it. Well, Martha McCallum is not... It's not advocating that that's a good thing to do. You are, Bernie. And you need to put this little clip on a loop and play it uh, during the campaign because people resent this double standard that the Democrats always seem to adopt. That my policy prescriptions are good for you, but not for me. You can send a check. Oh, you can volunteer, too. We have a... But you suggested... And Martha, why don't you give? You make more money than I do. Well, I, didn't, I didn't suggest a wealth tax. And she's not running for president. And All right, but we're going to fight for a wealth tax. We're going to fight for a wealth tax. Why don't you have the courage of your convictions, Bernie, and go ahead and send it in and show that it's not that painful to do it? What a hypocrite. <laughs> it's really unbelievable. But, you know, we were talking in the first segment about incitement. And if you call out the left on their actual words and deeds, then that's incitement. But they're perfectly free to smear you with the most vile and hateful rhetoric that they can muster. And that's not incitement. That's just um, that's just Democrats being Democrats. And there seems to have evolved in this reaction to the Notre Dame fire a a ban on suggesting that this may have been arson. Now, they have not found the, the cause of the fire, but they're claiming that it was absolutely as a result of construction because the Cathedral of Notre Dame was under renovation at the time and it was covered with, um, with scaffolding and uh, you know, plumbers sweating pipes have been known to cause fires uh, in construction sites, but equally as likely, if not more so, is the possibility that I I don't want it to be true because it would be a, a, a terrible, terrible blow to learn that France has welcomed uh, radical Islamists into its borders that would do something as atrocious as setting the Notre Dame Cathedral on fire. But all around Western Europe and to a lesser extent in Eastern Europe, churches have been set on fire in some places in a systematic um, ethnic cleansing. I'm speaking of Kosovo where over 150 churches and monasteries have been torn down and, and set on fire, along with the attacks that have, have uh, sent the Serbian population of Kosovo fleeing. But this is a, uh, a coordinated effort 
uh, at least in Kosovo, and the amount of um, church desecrations and arsons in Western Europe, you will note, bears a direct correlation in the the level of, of the Muslim population. So along with arsons, altars have been desecrated, crucifixes have been broken, statues have been beheaded. In one case, a Catholic priest had his throat cut during a mass. A reoccurring thing is uh, fecal matter has been smeared on the churches. Last February, just a couple of months ago, vandals plundered the Notre Dame de Affites church in Nimes, smeared feces on the wall, One week later, vandals desecrated and smashed crosses at the statues uh, of St. Elaine Cathedral in Lavour. They mangled the arms of the crucified Christ in a mocking manner, and the altar cloth was burned. And while European authorities usually obfuscate over the identity of the perpetrators, this uh, Islam's rule of numbers applies. Western nations that have large Muslim migrant populations have had the most attacks. So in France, which is the largest Muslim population in Western Europe, an average of two churches are attacked every day. But you're not allowed to mention the possibility that uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral may have been another of this pattern. The same situation prevails in Germany. Huge Muslim population. Some 200 churches have been attacked and many crosses have been broken. Police are dealing with church desecrations in Germany again and again, read a report from 2017, November 2017. And the report concluded that the perpetrators often have a migration background. Just before Christmas in 2016, in the the North Rhine region of Westphalia, more than one million Muslims reside there, 50 public Christian statues, including of Jesus Christ, were beheaded and crucifixes broken. In 2015, following the arrival of another Muslim migrants to Dulman, A local newspaper noted that not a day goes by without attacks on Christian statues. Numerical, um, you know, correlations aside, the fact is the desecration of churches has been for centuries a Muslim trademark. It's sort of like saying this is now Muslim territory. In his recent book, Sword and uh, Scepter, 14 centuries of war between Islam and the West. It was noted that wherever Muslims invaded Christian nations, untold thousands of churches were ritually desecrated and despoiled. 
their crosses and Christian symbols systematically broken. And if you don't believe me, you can go on YouTube and, and see videos of what ISIS did in areas where they took over, destroying and burning churches, desecrating the holy symbols inside. And it was pretty disappointing to see on Fox News that whether or not you believe that uh, Notre Dame was in fact another example of this, you are not even allowed to talk about its possibility based on the pattern of church arsons and desecrations that have gone on in France, as I've said, an average of two a day. And when... um. Cardinal Timothy Dolan dared to mention this possibility on Neil Cavuto's show. This is what happened. On the phone, Bill, uh, we don't know what started this. We do know the repercussions and what has been left as a result of this. Ruins and ruins that could, could take some time to fix and make right. And you never can make it as it was. Well, Neil, if it is an accident, it's a monumental tragedy. But forgive me for being suspicious. Just last month, a 17th century church was set on fire in Paris. We've seen tabernacles knocked down. Crosses have been torn down. Statues have been smashed. We don't know that. We don't know. So if we can avoid what your suspicions might be, I do want to look at what happens now. There was a very pricey rebuilding and renovation effort going on that involved a good deal of Catholic fundraising campaigns. I know in this country and abroad, this renovation was paid for up front. So in other words, all the monies were there. And now I'm wondering how much more the Catholic Church commits to this, or do you think now they first want to get to the bottom of it? Well, first they have to get to the bottom of it, and they will rebuild it. There's no question about that. And they certainly the Catholic Church will come up with the money for it. That's not even a question. But uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, when I find out that the Eucharist is being destroyed and excrement is, is being smeared on crosses, Wait a minute, this Bill, is going on now. We, we can, Bill, I, I love you, Bill, but we cannot make conjectures about this. So thank you very, oh, very much. Bill, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you very, very much. I do want to let people know. And so you're not allowed to point out the history, the recent history of the mass uh, movement of attacking a desecrating churches throughout Europe if you even bring that up you will be shut down but you got to admit that in the run up to Easter weekend this this fire happening in light of all of these church attacks is uh, suspicious at best and one wonders if in fact it it was a attack by radical Muslims on the church if the state of France won't suppress that reality to try to keep a lid on the the uh, pressure cookie that they've created over there. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of America First Radio. I hope you'll join us back here again tomorrow on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. 
Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.